The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Uh, real quick, I'm going to get this announcement out the way. Uh, it's a lot of us this morning, so therefore we're probably taking up more parking spots outside. If you are part closer to the progressive side, it's the other church that we share the parking lot with, uh, near their sidewalk, we're going to ask you to move your car on the opposite end so that they can have space to park their car. So if you're parked closer to the progressive side uh, on the other side of the gate or closer to that, their sidewalk, we're going to ask you to move your cars. And so don't want to make it awkward for you so you can wait, you know, but at some point you got to move your car. Uh, let's serve them. Um, well, good morning. Um, some of you probably asking the question, who is this guy up here? i never seen him before, but my name is Artez Henderson. I'm actually a pastor resident here at downtown. And before I hop in um, with uh, the sermon, I, I just want to thank you on behalf of my family, my wife, Ebony. Uh, as a church, we felt nothing but love from you guys since I started back in January. And uh, man, you're talking about life-giving, uh, friendships that's being built, and uh, just timely encouragement from folks. And uh, man, it's been really good. And so we want to thank you for being a blessing to our family as well. And we look forward to getting to know more of you guys uh, as time progresses. But just want to say thank you for, uh, for taking care of us. So this Sunday is actually the first Sunday of our new summer series. And over the next several weeks, we'll be working our way through the biblical theme of rest and Sabbath, and uh, it's something that God has, has graciously blessed us with as his people, but we're living in a time in which it's becoming less and less apparent uh, in our lives or less and less evident or practiced in our lives. And so over the next several weeks, you'll hear from different uh, preachers going through Old Testament and New Testament about this theme of rest. And the prayer uh, from the staff uh, for you guys it's not that you would just have a better understanding of this biblical theme of rest, but that you will be transformed um, in your lives as well. But with that being said, this morning, we'll be spending our time in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. And I believe it's uh, up there on the screen. So this is Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Hear the word of the God. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed, or literally there he was praying. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, 
And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do ask, with desperation, would you quiet our hearts, prepare our minds and our ears and our whole being to receive your eternal living word. God, be with us in this time to to submit underneath your authority and to be ready to respond as you see fit in our lives. Thank you for blessing us this time to come together to worship you, the one and true living God. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm so busy. I'm pretty sure those three words probably have been echoed from your lips in the past couple of days, probably this morning as you was interacting with some folks. But these three words that so many people can relate to at any given point in life, I'm so busy. You're either coming out of a busy season, you're either currently in a busy season, or you're about to go into a busy season. They got amen to that already, huh? Well, journalist Gary Brunson published his research for Harvard about how successful people protect their time. He said, I'm so busy, three little words we say all the time as a way to decline invitations. It makes sense, though. Time is the most precious commodity because unlike money, we can't make more of it. But guess what? Everyone is busy. So while you may think the message you're sending with, I'm so busy, is I'm really slammed, what other, the other person really here is, what I'm working on is more important than you. Maybe a generalization, but by the amens, I'm, I'm sure that's, that, that rings true for, for many of us, myself included. But we're busy with all kinds of things that's demanding our time, our attention, our physical mental, emotional energy. There's that home project that's left to be done, school work to complete, summer camps for our kids, businesses to manage, church engagements, unexpected fires to be put out at our jobs, people to catch up with, trips to be had, or to be uh, traveled, if you will, um, shows to catch up on. You know, it's summertime and we're ready to binge and catch up on our show. But it's, it's, it's all kinds of things that we're busy with. But let's be honest, we're living in a culture that glamorize, uh, idolize, that, that champions productivity, busyness, grinding, burning it at both ends. We work so hard to play hard or rest hard, but even that vacation doesn't always hit the way you expected it would. But the heart of the matter isn't primarily about being busy. It's not about productivity, because those things aren't sinful within themselves. But the downfall for all of us is our unintentional and intentional rejecting of God's invitation to come and to rest in him. Is that true of your life? Brothers and sisters, our Savior is calling us to to gladly accept his invitation of rest, but to reject this whole idea, this mindset that I'm too busy to meet with God. 
But hear me again. Being busy and being productive is not a bad thing. As, as we read in our text this morning, in Mark's gospel account, Jesus himself was a busy man. I mean, he had a lot going on. But let's, let's do a quick recap of just a 48-hour time, time span, or period, if you will, uh, of Jesus' life. And this is all in chapter 1 of Mark. We see he calls his disciples. These teenagers, they were just common and ordinary fishermen. He heals a man with an unclean spirit in verses 21 through 28. He healed Simon's mother-in-law who had a fever. And the text literally said, many who came. And it also goes to say the whole city gathered at the door with various diseases and who were, who were demon-possessed. We see Jesus preaching in the synagogues. He's, he's cleansing a leper in verses 40 through 45. That's a lot. That's only 48 hours, and he was gone. Jesus had a lot going on. But one verse that blows my mind, even to this day, is verse 35 in Mark chapter 1. It reads, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed. He went to a desolate place, and there he was praying. I mean, all that going on, he got a few hours of sleep probably, and he got up really early. The birds ain't even chirping yet. He went to a desolate place to pray with the Father. We could spend hours trying to unpack this, just that one verse, but we ain't got hours. <laughs> but the time we do have, I, I want to submit to you, this is the main idea. Jesus demonstrates the value of rest in the Father in the midst of a busy life. Jesus demonstrates the value of rest in the Father even in the midst of a busy life. And the question that, that I have to beg to ask is, is this rhythm of rest evident in your life? And as we look at Christ's actions in this text, I want us to consider three reasons why we ought to consider, I'm sorry, why we ought to cultivate this rhythm of rest with God. And the first reason, we have limitations that should humble us before the Lord. It doesn't matter how fit you think you are. Um, it doesn't matter how youthful or young uh, you are. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how educated you are. We all have limitations. But it's the pride that swells up in us that leads us to believe that we don't need to slow down, that we don't need to stop, we don't need to, to rest. And it's actually, it's, it's not a sign of weakness that you need to slow down. Well, it is actually a sign of weakness. It's a sign of humility. <laughs> so, yes, it's okay to be weak. It's okay to be humble. To say, God, you are my creator, and it's you alone who sustains me. But the beauty, as we think about God, we think about Christ. The beauty of the doctrine of the incarnation is that God became man to identify with us in our limitations. I mean, he humbled himself. He, he wrapped himself in flesh so that we can have a suitable savior to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus, Jesus intentionally and perfectly embodied a rhythm of rest throughout all of his life. We see him slowing down to be restored in the Father's presence by the Spirit. 
There were so many people who demanded his time. He couldn't heal everybody. He, 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 couldn't, he couldn't cast out every demon. He could, but at the same time, time permitted him to move on as we read in the text. He had relationships to be cultivated with his disciples. These were, were men who were living with him day to day, walking with him, doing life with him for three whole years. But his priority was to stop and to be with the Father. So this may be obvious. If Jesus, who is God in the flesh, stopped to rest in the midst of busyness, how much more are we? We need to be refreshed physically, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. But this is, this is the blessing of it, though. It's not that, hey, we stopped doing things and we got to sacrifice productivity and all. It's so much more to be gained. We read it in the, in the psalmist in Psalms 16, verse 11. It says, you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God will fill us with joy. He will refresh us. He will renew us in his presence. It's so much to be gained when we stop and we be with the Father. We need to stop and frequently to be filled up. It, it reminds me, um, just to kind of preface, I'm by no means a runner, so I don't want to disrespect any of the true runners in here. Um, or that's watching right now. But uh, several years ago, uh, I just, you know, made this goal of mine. Hey, I want to, you know, start running a couple races. And uh, don't say that around Mike Davis because he's going to have you out there getting it in. So he convinced me and another guy to sign up for the half marathon, uh, St. Jude. And uh, I'm like, man, 13 miles, 13.1. I don't even think I, I ever walked 13 point, you know, one miles in my life. But anyway, so I, I trained, you know, we trained several times, and I felt good about it. You know, I was eating good, staying hydrated, and uh, it was race day. And if any of you ever been involved with the St. Jude Marathon or 5K, 10K, whatever, it's a, it's a sight to, to take in. I mean, you're talking about the runners from all over the world. You're talking about the volunteers. I mean, people, it's a whole event around the city of Memphis. So I take off, you know, I got my music on. I got my little pouches, to, you know, uh, the little Gatorade things you suck on to give you a little boost or whatever. I got all of that in my, you know, little gear bag. So I'm running. Get the mile one, good. Two, good. Three, good. Four, I'm like, all right, this, this is a little different, you know. Um, but the cool thing about the race is that they have people lined up on the side cheering you on. I mean, they handing out uh, orange slices, bananas, water, Gatorade, all that kind of stuff. So they call them hydration stations. So during the race, as you progress to mile four, five, six, seven, I'm like, right, I, I need as much as the Gatorade, the fluids I can because your boy getting dehydrated. So every time I'm like down the hill and I see this sign that says hydration station, I'm like, bet, I'm almost there. Kind of pull over, get a couple shots, and I'm on my way. But I ain't never seen anybody who ran a half marathon, a full marathon, and never stopped at a hydration station or never took a sip of water or anything. Why? Because we're human. <laughs> we, we have limitations. And if we have limitations physically, how much more spiritually? And brothers and sisters, God has hydration stations for us on this race that we call a Christian life. 
these hydration stations can be corporate worship. As we, as we come together as God's people, as we hear the word is preached, the psalms being sang, the prayers being prayed, even enjoying the fellowship, even with the mask on, those are God's means of refreshing his people, not just corporately, but also individually. I mean, just imagine what that would look like if we were, we were assessing or accessing God's hydration stations, meet with him individually. Brothers and sisters, my, my encouragement to you, as I'm telling myself, don't pass his hydration stations. We're human. Be humble. It's okay to be weak, but God refreshes us. It's one reason we ought to cultivate this rhythm of rest, because we have limitations. But the second reason I think we ought to cultivate this rhythm of rest is because we were created primarily for relationship with God. We were created primarily for relationship with God. We often forget that God's relationship with us is literally life-giving in every aspect that you could think about. Every season of life, there's never a time that's wasted spending with God. The beauty about God's relationship with us is that he's, he's been the pursuer from the beginning and the initiator from the beginning, and we're just the responders. He initiated in creation when he created Adam out of dust. He initiated in salvation. In Christ, by faith through grace, he's, he's called us into this irrevocable union in him because his co- in, in his covenant, he, he made a covenant that he can't separate us from it, or he can't separate himself from us no matter what. I mean, this, this is a marriage and divorce ain't an option. No matter how much we, we go off the tracks, if you are in Christ, you ain't going nowhere and God ain't going nowhere. Praise God for our union that's inseparable. But there's one other piece that we must remember. We still are, are, are called to, to cultivate a rhythm of communing with God. And you probably, you know, communing, that's not a word that, you know, you probably use every day. I'm a pastor. That's not a word I use every day, so don't, don't feel bad. And uh, communing is, is, is similar to communion, which we will partake uh, later. But communing... It's this idea of conversing or associating with someone. One, one pastor, uh, Kelly Kepik, I think that's his name, uh, he, he writes this about communion with God. He says, relationships cannot be life-giving sources of strength if we are not present in and to them. Communion with God is a deep need for every human, whether we acknowledge it or not. Communion with God is how we were made to function. And it's ultimately about a loving and very present relationship with the triune creator. The times we feel the most empty, drained, distant from God, it's it's probably due to the prolonged days or weeks or even months we go without spending necessary time communing with God. This isn't just for the pastors. This isn't just for the the, the ministry leaders. This is for all God's people. But we have to say no to some things. We have to say no to some people. (laughs) 
in, in order to rearrange our schedules to make time for what we think that's most important. And this is the most important relationship that you can never spend with someone. Look at Jesus. Jesus got up early to be with the Father alone. It may be early for you. You're like, ah, Tez, I ain't the early, the early riser. You know, I want to get my sleep. Okay, maybe you're the late person. When everything is settled, everybody went to sleep. Maybe you get some extended time with God. We see Jesus. He went to a desolate place. Where is that place for you that you can go and, and, and try to eliminate as many distractions, starting with this, which is the biggest distraction? Maybe I'm just telling myself, some of y'all may, okay, okay. But where is that place that you can go to be refueled in the Lord? But let me just encourage you. We, we won't get this perfect, right? We, but there's freedom to be creative. There's freedom to fail. Try something, but regardless, it's going to cost you something. As I said before, this is the most important person that you could ever spend time with, corporately, but also individually as well. So the first reason that why we should cultivate this rhythm of rest is because we're human. We have limitations. The second reason we saw that we should cultivate this rhythm of rest it's because God created us primarily for relationship. And thirdly, we ought to cultivate a rhythm of rest because God refreshes us to bless others. God refreshes us to bless others. It's, it's still amazing to, to read about the kind of schedule Jesus had on any given day. I mean, he, he, it was no time wasted. Again, Jesus, God, fully human, he needed to, to rest physically. We see different accounts, him taking naps in a boat during the storm. Now, that's a whole nother, that rest, I, don't, I ain't never experienced that. I'm a light sleeper, but uh, we see him getting rest in all kinds of places. But we see him getting away to pray with the Father. And, and specifically in our text this morning in Mark, we don't know exactly what Jesus was praying about because the scriptures doesn't give us those details. But based on the context, we can make an educated guess, if you will, from his response in verses 37 and 38. Let me take y'all back. So the disciples, they, they wake up in the middle of the night, if you will, from their sleep, and it's, it's, it's a frantic. It's like, oh, man, where, where is Jesus? So they essentially sent out a search party looking for Jesus. Mind you, he's, he's, in, he's in a desolate place. Like, ain't no lights, um, obviously no electricity, but candles or, you know. He's in a desolate place, and they're looking for, for Jesus. And so Peter finally finds him. He said, hey, man, we've been looking all over for you. And this is how Jesus responds at verse 38. He said, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. Let's, let's move on. This is why I came. Don't, don't, don't miss this, that Jesus' time with the Father wasn't just about getting some alone time. I mean, he probably was praying to be refreshed by the Spirit to continue on the mission that his Father sent him to do, to be the Savior of the world. And excuse my English, we ain't the Savior. 
So we can, you know, we can play this game. Okay, Ortiz, I see what you're saying. Be like Jesus, you know. But the, the, the principle is this. There's still something to be imitated from Jesus. Our slowing down, our stopping, and our resting in the Lord is not just about us. But there's an outward focus or a horizontal focus, an other focus as well. It's no surprise that we live in a, a fallen world, broken, uh, filled with sin. And so there's always needs to be met. There's always someone to encourage. There's, there's always someone to serve spiritually or physically or financially. But you'll be amazed at the time God has put a word on your heart to encourage someone or to, to, to offer a helpful counsel to them with a major decision. I mean, how different would our encounters with the world and with the people of God would be if, if our time with God had that outward focus? Richard prayed this in his prayer. He stole it from my notes, but it's just a spirit. He said, we're, we're, we're being filled up to be poured out. It's so counterintuitive. So counter to our flesh. We just want me, myself, and I. I don't care if you're an introvert or extrovert. We all struggle with that. But I'm going to just tell you how it is, though. And my wife can amen this as well. It's been so many times since we've been at this church, and I had random uh, brothers and sisters come up to me, encourage me with a word. And I know that word ain't come from them. That word probably came from the, the secret place, the, the prayer closet, or even driving to church and just saying, God, let me bless somebody with a, with a word of encouragement. And I've been the recipient of that. My wife has been the recipient of that. How different would our fellowship be if we were taking this to heart? That our time with God, when we're refreshed, he's refreshing us, he's filling us so that we may be poured out and to be a blessing with others. I mean, he said this in Abraham and Covey, I bless you to be a blessing for others. Look at Jesus. He was blessed to be a blessing to us as well. But I thank God. I thank God that this is far from the truth of our true pastor and our Savior who came to dwell among people that, that they were desperate and they were needy and always looking to take from Jesus, sometimes with the wrong motives and sometimes with the right motives. I thank God that Christ came to rescue us from our idols a performance, being completely consumed with doing <laughs> instead of just being with him. And I thank God that Christ came to serve when we didn't deserve his service. As Mark tells us later in chapter 10, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was the mission from the father and we, his people, by faith, become beneficiaries of this sacrifice. As I close, brothers and sisters, I want to I wanna remind you of this. That true rest is found in humbling ourselves and saying yes to God's love. Have you experienced this rest? True rest is found in trusting God's control. His infinite power and sovereignty and letting go of some things to make time for him. Have you experienced this rest? 
True rest is to be experienced for all eternity with the Savior who was slain for our sins. He invites us to unhindered, free from distraction, free from sin, to rest in his presence because what he has accomplished on the cross. Have you experienced this rest? Don't let your busyness and your pride stop you from saying yes to this rest. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that you are so gracious and so kind to us to humble yourself to the point of obedience to death, even death on the cross, but not just that, to model for us what it looks like to have regular rhythms, uh, regular time to get away to be with the Father. Father, we all need that. It's so many things that are consumed with our minds and our hearts. They're rivals, attention, the time of you. Would you meet us where we at? Give us the, the grace and the strength to take our next step. And I pray, I pray that we will be mindful that our rest, our long time with you is not just solely for ourselves, but it's to be a blessing to others. And Christ, thank you for being a blessing to us. And so we commit our hearts and our lives to you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. All God's people said, amen.